0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. For many of us, college or the years around that age is not exactly when we make some of our wisest decisions. When I was a freshman in college, I moved in and I met my new roommate, and we were so excited. We had this great room set up that we had some extra space. So what better to fit in that extra space so we could watch TV even more comfortably but to find a couch? It wasn't a whole very large space, and I'll be really honest, we were pretty cheap at that point. So we went out to the stores looking for a couch, but not where you would typically think to look. We went to a home goods store where we found a couch that was inflatable. An inflatable couch for a freshman boy's dorm room that lasted about two weeks. And as I was talking with my mom on on the phone a little later, complaining about how it was already popped and broken and gone, she says, well, what did you think would happen? What did you think would happen when you did that? That question. What did you think would happen? It's a question we're going to use for our reflection today on Scripture because it's very similar to a question that is asked by the disciples of the people in our Scripture reading today. Today, the scripture reading for our meditation is from our first lesson from the book of Acts chapter 3, in which the exact words of which the disciples said to the people is, why do you wonder? Why do you stare at us? But in order to understand any of those questions, why they're even being asked at all, we need to back up a bit, because we didn't get the whole story read to us this morning. So if you back up into Acts chapter 3, the beginning of that chapter, you have Peter and John who go up to the temple to pray. And when they went up there, there was a lame man who was brought to them, who asked them for alms, basically looking for money from these two disciples. And they said, we don't have any, no silver or no gold. But then instead they said to him that they would give him healing. In fact, the exact words that they said to that man was in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And just like all the other miracles that we heard of Jesus doing when he walked this earth, it happened. They said, rise up and walk, and he rose and he walked, healed, perfectly, completely healed. They did this great miracle in the name of Jesus Christ, the name of the risen Jesus Christ, the risen Jesus Christ who had by that point had already given his Holy Spirit to his disciples. And they did this great miracle in his name, in the presence of other people. Other people who simply stood there wondering how this could be, having no clue. And so the disciples said to them, why do you wonder? Why do you stare at us? Or as if we'll put it in our language today, what did you think would happen? What did you think would happen when we, tried, when we said to heal this man in the name of Jesus Christ? You see, usually when we ask that question of someone, what did you think would happen? There's a lot more insinuated with those words than other people might realize. Because when you ask that question, the person's not really just curious. They're not like, oh, I just would really like to know how you feel. They're not just trying to start a casual conversation. Usually with that, someone's insinuating that you should have known, that you have all the basic evidence, all the basic facts and reason to know what would happen. You should have known what would happen. And that's exactly how it was with the people. The people there, presence in the face of that miracle, they should have known what would happen. Because those people who were there gathered around the temple, likely Jews, Jews who had heard the word of God, the Torah, the prophets, the word of God that they had heard, that they had taught to their children, that they had studied. The word of God that they heard over and over and over. In the word of God, where they would have heard how God told them that he would send a redeemer into this world. As it says in Isaiah chapter 59, and a redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. How they would have also heard in the word of the Lord over and over again that this redeemer would come to this world to suffer for the people. Isaiah 53, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. They would have also heard over and over again in scriptures how this Redeemer who would suffer would then be lifted high and exalted. Isaiah 52. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. They should have known. And yet, they failed. The people failed to recognize the glory of God. To recognize the glory of God in Jesus Christ who when he walked this earth. To recognize the glory in Jesus Christ when there he hung on the cross for the sins of the world. To recognize the glory of Jesus Christ when he rose from the dead. And then especially to recognize his true glory as miracle and healing was done in his name. And yet they failed over and over again to recognize the glory of Christ. So much so that then Peter goes on to name just how badly they failed to recognize it. He said to them, You delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate Jesus. When he had, but then you denied the Holy and Righteous One. You asked for a murderer to be granted to you and you killed the author of life. Although this is an abbreviated list of how they failed Jesus, it gets right to it. They didn't just deny anyone. They denied the holy and righteous one. They didn't just kill anyone. They killed the author of life. Put it simply, the people failed to recognize the glory of God. Do you think we ever do that? Do you ever fail to recognize the glory of God, to recognize the true glory in Jesus Christ? Surely we don't like to think so. I mean, we're gathered here for worship, right? To worship, giving glory and honor, praise to our God. And yet with our question for reflection today from the scriptures, I'll ask you, what do you think happens when God says your sins are forgiven? When we pastors stand right here and say your sins are forgiven in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Are they just some nice words that you like to hear and you need to hear each week, but really, you've got to still leave this place and figure it out on your own. Make up for the mistakes that you've made. No, that would be a failure to recognize his glory. Because Jesus Christ came into this world to die for all sins. The sins of the past, the sins of the present, and the sins of the future. Once and for all, he died for the sins, taking them all to the cross. So they're gone, completely forever gone, no longer crimson stained, but white as snow. That's the true glory of Jesus Christ. Or I'll ask you again, what do you think happens when you hear God tell you that he is with you? Do you again think that these are some nice words, but really God's only with me when times are good? Surely he doesn't want to be around me when I definitely don't deserve it or when times are rough. He's only around when the good times are rolling. No, that would again be a failure to recognize his glory. Because the glory of God is that he is always with his people. Always has been, all the way since the very beginning in creation. He was with his people with Noah through the flood. He was with his people through the exodus from Egypt. He was with his people then as they wandered in the wilderness... With his people through the corrupt judges and evil kings, with his people as they were exiled and they returned to the land, with his people through the New Testament as Jesus walked this earth teaching and healing, and with his people as the church spread throughout the world. He always was, always will be, and always is now. So he's with you when you go to school, when you go to work. When you're at home, when you go to play group, when you go to sleep, when you wake up, every single day, everywhere you go, God is with you. That's how glorious he is. And I'll ask you one more. What do you think happens when God promises you eternal life? Do you truly, fully believe it and hold on to it? Or is it, again, just some words that you think, yeah, that sounds good, but it's just some hope, some cookie dangling in front of us to keep us going, to promise us that there surely must be something after this life? No. Again, that would be a failure to recognize the true glory of Christ. Because God says that he sent his one and only son into this world to die, to ascend into hell to declare his victory, to rise, ascend into heaven, and now to be seated at the right hand of God, to come back again in his glory to judge the living and the dead. And he says that over and over again in scriptures. In scriptures, he tells us with painstaking detail just how glorious and magnificent that eternal life will be. And every single time God makes a promise in his word, he keeps it. To break it would be just simply contrary to his nature. So what do you think happens? Because we're tempted to not believe. Tempted to ignore the very things, the very truth that is stated right in front of our faces over and over. But I tell you, brothers and sisters in Christ, do exactly as our scripture reading says today. Repent and believe. Believe that God said he would send his son into this world, and he has. His son who's come into this world so gloriously, but now is risen. For he is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.